Hello and welcome. I am Dr. Lara May, a clinical pharmacist specializing in functional medicine, as well as a certified yoga teacher and Reiki master. I run a truly integrative health coaching practice, encompassing functional medicine lab testing, yoga and meditation, and a sprinkling of Reiki energy medicine. Join me here on Light Body Radio to break through your health plateau and come into alignment with your natural vitality. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Light Body Radio. I am your host, Dr. Lara May, and today I have with me Michael Collins. He is the founder of SugarAddiction.com and Quit Sugar Summit, as well as the past chairman of the board and current board member of Addiction Institute. He has been completely sugar-free for over 30 years, which I find to be super impressive, and has worked closely with others to help them regain their lives ravaged by multiple addictive products and substances. So welcome, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Laura. I appreciate it. Yeah. So let's get started by um, just telling me your story and how um, how you got to be 30 years into sugar-free. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I just got old. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I started out as a regular kid. I think it's, you know, pretty, um, I grew up pretty much the way most people in the United States did of that era. Um, my mom was a sugar junkie. She loved sugar. She actually, I know in her heart, she believed sugar was love for kids, for everyone. It's kind of a sad story. In the beginning, she, uh, she lost her mom at eight years old. And when she was you know, they had to move in with her aunt and uh, her father, my grandfather said, they owned the country store across the way. They said, anytime she walked in, she could have anything she wanted, just put it on her tab, you know? And so she grew as many of us do, as our parents treat us, they grew to know, she knew to grow, uh, grew to know sugar as love. And it, you know, that's basically how we were raised. I mean, we could literally have unfettered access to the sugar bowl. I took that bowl from the estate with the same spoon, a pewter bowl, and we could put like, it was like a half an inch of sugar at the bottom of the bowl that we would scrape up with uh, the cornflakes or the Cheerios, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't know at the time that this was changing my state. I didn't know that this was in a, a psychoactive way and kind of the way that you see at a child's birthday party where uh, the kid, when the cake and ice cream com comes out, the kids just go wild. You know, they're just, it's just a kind of a different group. The whole uh, atmosphere changes, right? Eric Clapton's got a cool video your, your listeners would love. It's on uh, YouTube. And uh, it's him and Ed Bradley of 60 Minutes, right? Mm -hmm. And Ed goes, so this heroin stuff started, uh, this uh, addiction stuff started with heroin, right, uh, Eric? He goes, no, Ed, it started with sugar. Nice, and he yeah. Said, I, I said, I, eat, I used to eat bread and butter and sugar sandwiches to change my state at five and six. And that's what we used to eat, those same sandwiches, brown sugar, white sugar, it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. And so... Fast forward, you know, I loved it as a kid. I loved it as a teenager. 
But when around 13 or 14, I mean, every candy you can think of, I would collect these cards from inside. They used to have cards for candy, all kinds of different things. And I, I would, I, I, there wasn't a candy I didn't like, except butterscotch. I don't know why I didn't like butterscotch. <laughs> and, anyway, I, uh, uh, you know, 13 or 14, I ran into beer and pot and all that kind of stuff. And I knew that that stuff changed my state. I was kind of shy and, and, uh, I could talk to girls. I mean, it was a different scenario in that, you know, with, with, with alcohol. And this is about sugar, but there's a lot of parallels and a lot of tangents here. So fast forward to um, uh, 28. I got sober at 28. So that's to tell you how I, I made it for 30 years. But and I've been sober for 35, going to be 36 years here in a few, few weeks. And as I got sober, all my friends around me in recovery were all gaining weight really fast. And I was a thin kind of athletic guy and, and I gained 20 pounds just like that. I mean, mm -hmm. really, really fast, right? Rosacea on my face, you know, acne. I looked worse when I was sober than when I was drinking and doing drugs. And, uh, and people were getting diabetes diagnosis. So I, I wanted to be healthy and I started to study health stuff. And I ran across a book that was popular back then called Sugar Blues. And Sugar Blues was written by a guy named, um, what was his name? Duffy, William Duffy. And William Duffy was at a party one time. And he, uh, he heard a voice from behind him said, he was putting two lumps of sugar in his coffee. And he said, the voice said, I wouldn't have that in my house, let alone my body. And he spins around and it's Gloria Swanson, the famous movie star, right? Mm -hmm. And so basically they got married, uh, this, her, her third marriage, and they, she helped him promote that book all over. It was pretty popular. It was written in the 70s and redone in the 80s when I read it. And uh, I don't know, God just put in my head that this was what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And so I got married and uh, I talked my wife at the time into having the two kids uh, with no sugar, no flour, no caffeine in the womb until they, and until they were six. And the reason they had it at six is because we just caved in. It was too hard. Mm -hmm. We were fighting the grandparents, the Montessori school, the friends, parents, everybody, all the relatives thought we were depriving them, right? Yeah. I'm here to tell you that that experiment worked. Let me tell you the first thousand days of brain development is so dang important. And, you know, I'm a smart enough guy, but my children are literally rocket scientists smart. They are, you know, perfect scores on their SATs, their, their, their college entrance. I mean, and, I, you know, they went to regular schools, public schools, and there was nothing special except that they're, I just believe, you know, you know quantitatively, diagnostically, I can't prove that that's how it happened or why it happened, but I, in my heart, I know it's why it happened. Mm -hmm. And, and I, because now in the last five years, the brain science is now proving out uh, the effects that sugar has on the brain. And hopefully we'll get into a lot of that in the podcast, but yeah. Um, yeah. So again, fast forward, I, I, you know, I had a regular life, a regular business career, mostly online and uh, selling software and different stuff. And about 10 years ago, I bought the name sugaraddiction.com and, um, and I started putting out what I thought was the best information. And, you know, a few people would run with it. They would do okay with it. But it wasn't until about three years ago when I literally um, started coaching people one-on-one. -on -one. I was kind of semi-retired at the time. And I started coaching people one-on-one. -on -one. And then I, um, you know, we started forming these communities online. And then it just took off because that was the answer. People 
we're still kind of outliers, Laura. We're, we're mm -hmm. still kind of, this is not, uh, you know, accepted worldwide, you know, it's, it's like, uh, should I say, uh, it's not an accepted thing in a sugar soaked world. So yeah. that kind of brings us up to date. You know, I'm, I'm, it's the podcast version. We usually uh, <laughs> brings up more questions than answers, but <laughs> that's the short version of how I ended up here as a sugar-free guy and kind of the, the sugar-free man, you know, that's what they call me. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, I, you know, it's definitely not mainstream and it's definitely not mainstream, even in the healthcare world, which I find to be, Yep. Um, you know, mind boggling, because um, I still work uh, full time in a hospital. And it just amazes me what the health system that I work for what they consider to be, you know, the food that they feed their sick patients that are diabetic that have heart disease, all this stuff. And, you know, they'll bring someone in that is on insulin at home. And they, you know, they give them what we call the carb control diet. And it has I think, um, a daily carb amount of still between 50 to 60 grams of carbs. Wow. And I'm like, I don't know. I just don't even know. <laughs> it, you know, makes me twitch with like, you're not helping these people. Right, right. Um, so tell us, let's get into a little bit of the science aspect and talk about what sugar does. You alluded to a little bit to the brain. Let's start just with the brain. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, my, I guess not, you call it my specialty or my fascination for sure, is because I come from an addictive background. I've been, you know, I learned a lot about sobriety and addiction and that kind of stuff as a lay person mostly, but um, over the years and being sober and, and, you know, having this part of my life. And so I kind of came in from that angle, but in the last five years, the science has exploded about the brain chemistry. Now we all know that, and you know, for your folks who don't know that the the chem the brain of uh, the table sugar molecule is half glucose and half fructose, right? And so we all know what the glucose does. I mean, I got a glucose monitor, or a continuous glucose monitor, just for my coaching, you know. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I everybody knows what it does to their body, right? Um, they know. Uh, they know about diabetes, they know about the, um, even like Alzheimer's and all these kind of diseases are now being tied to sugar, mm -hmm. right? Heart disease, high blood pressure, everything you can think of. And, but what they don't know about and what they don't, what is ignored is the fructose's effect on the brain reward chemicals, the, the nucleus accumbens, the nor norepinephrine, GABA, uh, dopamine, serotonin, mm -hmm. even the adrenal glands, mm -hmm. all of these things are affected by this drug. And it is a drug. It's a toxin. It's a, you know, it's a brain toxin. It's a body toxin. It's an inflammation toxin. It's very toxic in the body at high doses. And the dose makes the poison, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we do a little alcohol, we do a little cocaine, we do a little heroin, whatever, but we are pounding 20 plus teaspoons average a day through our system. We just are never giving it a break, right? And when you're looking at the brain reward systems, thinking about like this could have been happening since you were in the womb, that you were basically in fight or flight uh, for your whole life, trying, you're stimulating these things that, you know, dopamine and serotonin that were made for chasing food and chasing sex and running from tigers and that's about it the rest of the time you were pretty steady even but when you keep hitting it hitting it hitting it hitting every day 
And the one thing people refuse to accept, and this takes, I'm glad you had me on a podcast because it takes about a podcast worth of, uh, of description for all this. You know, we don't have any meat is murder or friends don't let friends drive drunk that it just immediately clicks with folks. They mm -hmm. need a little bit more explanation. And people, even people that are in the addiction world don't quite get this, right? They don't, can't quite grasp the idea that this is a powerful enough psychoactive to affect behavior, to tamp down emotions, to lessen fear and anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really difficult to watch because people just keep ingesting it and they're not able to um, uh, put two and two together, I like to say, right? They're not able to uh, understand that they're not looking for a sweet taste. It's very rarely the food. They're, they're not, it's almost never the food. They're, they're mm -hmm. looking for a dopamine hit. Yep. And, and they just don't like, first, they don't want to admit it. And the second, they don't, you know, the science is really not that, it's not like well-known, like empty calories or, you know, calories in, calories out kind of stuff. It's not, and, and all of that's pretty much been debunked with the mm -hmm. literature, mm -hmm. but no one seems to care. They keep 98, 99% of the diet industry still says exercise more, eat less. Yeah. I mean, it's just not, they're not thinking about the brain chemicals, the brain science and why you keep, you've seen the studies, Larry. I mean, yeah. the biggest loser study, it's like lore. It's like famous in the literature that anybody who loses a substantial amount of weight in, in the first year, they gain it all back and then some. Mm -hmm. So they can actually white knuckle it, but they're not really solving the problem. They're not solving the issue. They always fall back to it because they, this, I call it the emotional management system that they've used since they were a child that their parents used on them has been hijacked and their go-to is sugar. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. And we're taught so early. And I mean, yeah. I, you, you know, had your kids not exposed to this to up till six, but still it's like, oh, you had, you did this and this sports thing. Let's give you, like, I was on the swim team as a kid and oh. it was, you know, every time personal best or every time you reached a certain goal, you got a blow pop you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> but well, yeah. yeah i mean so it's every like that reward system is built in you got a good grade let's go get some ice cream you you know you behaved well today we'll have this treat over here you know whatever it is yeah, it's definitely it's so correlated and so not only does it become a habit but then we also unconsciously i think especially at that age start to feel like um unconsciously associate it with oh in order to feel good i have to have that sugar that dopamine like we you know you don't know it it's a dopamine hit at that age but that's right. what it is you know yeah so so yeah. true so true I, you were a swimmer huh i was on a swim team my whole life yeah yeah but... i uh, swam up through uh, my second year of college nice yep so cool. yeah. yeah yeah cool all right. So, so we think I, we know you and I know, and it's definitely, I think it's, again, it's so fascinating that mainstream medicine hasn't picked up on this yet, that sugar is an addiction. It's a real thing and it has real consequences. And I think a lot of Western medicine is still stuck in this, you know, the fat is bad and mm. it's the fat that's yep. the problem. And, sure. you know, it's your cholesterol that's the problem. And so they're, they're coming at it from, I think, honestly, I think it's a message that came from big food that 
you know, the Western medicine organization sort of picked up and that bad science that was, you know, perpetuated for so long that, mm. you know, like you said before, it's been debunked and we have the real science now that was suppressed for so long, but it's still like you and me and integrative practitioners that are really the only ones that are out there saying, no, you can be keto and lose weight and lower your cholesterol and have, mm. you know, an awakened alive brain, <laughs> uh, you know, so all of these yeah. things. Um, so let's talk about withdrawal from, from the addiction, mm. from the sugar. And so yeah, yeah. if we're getting a high from the sugar, then what happens when we take that away? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we do well because we don't sugarcoat it. And I've always looked for a better <laughs> better meme for that. But <laughs> genuinely, uh, there is some nasties and everybody's tried it. And a lot of times they don't equate it to the sugar. They don't think of it that it could be really causing that. I like to tell people that if they quit flour, sugar, and caffeine, and they had any kind of habit at all, within the third or fourth day, they will be incapacitated. They will be mm -hmm. irritable, hungry, lethargic, uh, sleepy. They're not going to be able to function. They're going to be so irritable, they're going to not be able to stand themselves. And so we, we have a step down too, but I mean, some, regardless if you do a step down, you got to do it all eventually. And you have mm -hmm. a little withdrawal each time, but the withdrawals are very real. They're very physical and uh, ravenous hunger is one of the symptoms. Headaches is one of the symptoms. Uh, the things that I mentioned with lethargy and, and irritability are, um, and, you know, sometimes it's, you know, nausea and shaking and vomiting. I mean, I've had people, I've got coaches that have been through all of this stuff, you know, and it's just um, what happens is when we get to be our age, you, we are just not, we're not looking for that hit anymore. We are just very simply fighting and stopping withdrawals. We're just putting withdrawals at bay for one more day. That's all we're doing. We got to go into a meeting. We got to get the kids. We got whatever. And we cannot have that headache. We cannot have that irritability and downtime. And we can't be resting. We can't do any of that. We have to take our coffee and take our, our sugar. And then mm -hmm. we have to um, get on with life. But you're just like postponing the inevitable. You know, you're, you're, you're hurting your body and it's just taking longer. And we've seen so many detoxes that now we can calculate basically depending on your habit, um, uh, depending on how much you used, used a day, how bad it's going to be and what you got to go through. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I think the big mistake people make is not giving it, like we mentioned earlier, and not giving it the respect that it's due, uh, that the malaise that you're feeling is a physical symptom of the withdrawal of the sugar and your body trying to re-ingest it and also getting other toxins out at the same time. Uh, so you're just, it's just nasty. It's like the worst flu sometimes. Now, some people skate right through it, but mm -hmm. not all. Very, very few are able to just not have any withdrawals. Yeah. Some athletes can do better, yeah. Yes. What do you say to those people that say, well, I don't eat a lot of sweets and I don't drink soda, so I don't have a problem. But yeah, if you really talk to them, they're like, they have bread every day and yeah, they yeah. love their pasta or pizza yeah. or whatever it is. So right. what do you say to those people? Yeah, no, I mean, it's 80 plus percent of the food products in the United States, if you're eating out of a box and bag or a can, uh, cellophane or whatever, you're eating sugar. There's yeah. no doubt about it. In the food food system, there's, there is sugar. If you're not consistently eating whole foods from the outside of the groceries, meats, vegetables, seafoods, 
whatever, dairy, you're, you're, you're eating some amount of sugar. Mm -hmm. And people are shocked at the amount they are eating when they finally do it. And I always say, I call it a scratch Tesla. I, I say, look, you know, if you went to the doctor and, and that you thought you had an allergy, they would scratch you and put a little patch over you and look for rag, ragweed and grass seed and peanut butter and strawberries, whatever. They try and figure out what you're allergic to, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the scratch test for this is very simple. Just give me 30 days. Give me 60. Give me 90. Nobody that's ever given me 90 days of 100% abstinence has ever gone back to sugar. The changes in their body and their brain are so substantial, they just don't want to risk it. You know, Now, they may fall off, they may whatever slip, but they will always come back because uh, this scratch test proves, like if I told you not, if I told you no broccoli or no steak for 30 days, you go, I like steak. And you say, okay, I'll do it. And you need other stuff, right? Yeah. But when I tell them <laughs> sugar, they're like, first of all, they get like this kind of fear that they're right out before they even try right? it. Right. Shouldn't they, that be the first sign? <laughs> yeah, that, that should be the first sign. And then when they try it, they're like, they can't do it. And they're like, oh, wait, wait a minute. This person, I'm not, this is kind of sad, but so true. I, if I ask, tell people just spend five minutes in my inbox, five minutes on my instant messenger, people two and 300 pounds overweight, losing limbs, going blind, getting diabetes diagnosis. Doctor says you're going to die in six months if you don't get off the sugar. And they still eat both fight with me and they can't, they can't seem to do it. They can't seem to just put it down. Yeah. If that's not the definition of an addiction, I'm not exactly sure what it is. Yeah. I think a lot of people go into this. I think part of the fear is they think, well, what do I, what will I eat? You know, I've had this conversation with my dad who has recently been diagnosed with high blood pressure. And he's like, well, and you know, he's 75 now. And so he's gotten this far in life. And yeah. he's, he doesn't understand why now. And so I, I told him, it's like, okay, let's talk about what you're eating. And so we talk about it and I'm like, okay, well that has sugar and that has sugar and that has sugar. <laughs> and then he looks at me and he says, well, what am I supposed to eat then? I'm like, just vegetables and meat. It's mm -hmm. very simple. <laughs> right, right. Like that's not hard, <laughs> Yeah. but there's still there, this sense of, I think, um, deprivation that comes along with it. Uh, and I think that's throws our human brains into that survival, that survival mode. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. being low on dopamine, being low on serotonin and know that there's a simple way. I mean, SSRIs, I'm sure most, a lot of your audience will know what that is. Mm -hmm. It's serotonin reuptake inhibitors or something. Yes. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's basically <laughs> Paxil and, you know, Zoloft and these kind of things that mm -hmm. for depression and, and anxiety and whatever. And it's like they're toying with it, okay? Like, look, I, I'm. Uh, you'll find that I'm not a big lover of allopathic medicine, but they're they're toying with the the brain chemicals, and they all they even call it this, dialing it in. Well, yeah. that prescription didn't work. Let's try this one. Let's take half a dose. Let's take double dose. Blah, 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 blah. So they're trying to figure it out. Well, people are doing this self medication every day with flour, sugar, and caffeine. I can't look. I mean, how many people have you seen this happen with? They can't drink three cups of coffee to go on that speech. They can only drink two because they'll have jitters. Mm -hmm. They can only drink a half a cup when they're going to go do this. They can't, you know, whatever. They they won't yeah. sleep if they do this. So they're like balancing their, their legal quote unquote chemicals all day, every day. 
and worry and wondering why their you know long-term effect of these is a mystery to them why they're gaining weight why they're why this drug is affecting them this way yeah so yeah uh it's i don't it's so powerful and if we could just I feel like I, you know, like you, for you and I, it, the information is sort of commonplace and mm. a no brainer for us. I started my sugar-free journey, uh, 2017. So nice. definitely yeah. not 30 years ago, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and I've had my ups and downs with it. Um, but definitely the, the benefit is always, always so much better than the alternative of, having the sugar. And so, and again, once you get used to it, you get in your rhythm and you know, your go-tos that will, that, you know, you'll feel better once you get over that hump, mm -hmm. that you'll feel more even keeled all the time instead of needing that little bit of sugar or that even, you know, caffeine. Cause for me, when I got off the sugar, I, my body didn't need as much caffeine. And so that mm -hmm. naturally for me came down. So I stopped drinking coffee and I was just able to maintain on a little bit of green tea every day. Mm -hmm. So, or maybe not even every day, you know, depending on my sleep, which is yeah. a whole nother subject <laughs> sleep, <laughs> but right, right. <laughs> get the aura ring. It's great right here. So see that. Oh Yeah. Very helpful. Very helpful. <laughs> so let's talk about willpower and why it doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't work. It's like uh, because it's biochemical. See, the stats out of the Food Addiction Institute, we got people that work in late stage out, uh, food addicts for 20, 30 years, says that basic numbers, raw, you know, raw numbers, uh, about a third of people are uh, biochemically unable to ingest these products without having cravings, very severe cravings set up to have more, just mm -hmm. have more. And then they eat, you know, binge or they just continue uh, eating all day and they just can't stop. Right. And about a third of people, what we call harmful use. And these folks are basically in our society, they've, they're sugar soaked and uh, they just, they've been eating way too much for too long. And they could stop and then, you know, occasionally have a treat once a year. I don't like that it's called treats, but it is. Um, that that, that uh, lexicon has to change. But, yeah. <laughs> but, and then about a third of people are normal people, normies, that they can leave half a brownie and we, we all hate them. But, you know, those folks are normal. But now some of those folks too, even thin people can have real severe sugar addictions uh, kind of bordering on harmful use, but let's just focus on the, f the third of people who, if they recognize themselves in this talk, they'll see that they're, you know, they've tried dang near everything. I mean, literally they've tried every diet, every shake, every pill, every potion, every doctor, every diet, they've tried it all, but somehow they cannot put down the white stuff. They can do all the rest of the diet. They can do keto. They can do vegetarian. They can do whatever the diet, quote unquote, is. Mm -hmm. But there's always a component of the their 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 food plan that is off food plan, and they they're drawn back to the sugar. So, yeah, it's just uh, you know you, you can't 
I don't know. You can't. I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to I say think, it anymore. I think uh, with. I, I get think, on my soapbox. <laughs> I think uh, the one thing that uh, that stands out about what you just said, especially with like you said, they can do paleo, keto, whatever it is for that. I think it's a a, a short amount of time. It's a, there's an end point. Yeah. And or even if you're doing something like um, like Tim Ferriss's style, like four hour body type of eating, he mm -hmm. still allows that cheat day. Yeah. You know, so there's still sort of that brain and the out like I can still have my fix, even if I get it on this day only. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm not a big believer in cheat days, right? Yeah, I, you know, I hear you. <laughs> I'm not either. And I think because it's just easier to maintain what you're doing if you don't have the cheat day, because your body, again, like it's, it's a rewiring, right? Yeah. 100%. You know, with the, yeah. With the neurotransmitters, which is the serotonin, the dopamine, the norepi, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and once, once it gets back in a normal circadian rhythm, Mm -hmm. then when you add in whatever your stimulant is then it sort of throws it back out of whack and then it has to almost not quite start from zero again but you know yeah. sort of no, like, i believe that it yeah. does start from zero yeah maybe so, below zero yeah so i agree with you you know if if i have a client that insists and you know if it's gonna at least get them started then i say okay you, you know you can start with a cheat day but yeah. let's talk about later when you're doing really well, let's talk about if we can, you know, phase that out. And so, um, and we touched, you touched on this a little bit earlier. I'd like to go back to it, the emotions mm. and really, you know, mm -hmm. like we're not really giving our emotions space to be there. And I think, I think that's a lot of what we're doing with all of our substances is we're numbing mm -hmm. or we're trying to silence them or we're trying to, you know, just like make them go away altogether. And we're not taught as children to allow our emotions. We're actually taught, you know, not to show them and to suppress them. And at least, you know, I think there's a large part of our culture that does that. Maybe not everyone, but most, um, of, them, yeah. most of them. Yeah. And so as adults, when we have these emotions, we're like, crap, what do we do with this? Oh, let's drink, you know, drink, smoke some pot, have some sugar, watch Netflix, go shopping, have sex, whatever it is, anything to deal with this emotion that yep. is wanting to come up that I'm not going to let it. So. Well, you're very advanced to talk this way because this is at the core of our work. The bottom line that the 100% agree with everything you just said, the idea that there's a very common and well-known construct in the world of drug and alcohol rehabs and recovery that if you start using drugs and alcohol when you're 14 or 15 years old that's when you stop growing emotionally mm -hmm. you stopped handling the everyday life problems of dating school making a living relationships with friends and family you stop dealing with those types of emotions in, in different degrees, but you stop, you started using substances to make yourself feel better, to numb out, like you say, to stop, to avoid them, to, to, to delay them till tomorrow, mm -hmm. whatever it is, that's a very common and well-known uh, tenant of the recovery from alcohol and drug. Now think about it. If you've ever talked to someone who's lost two or 300 pounds, who's ever gone through a true uh, recovery from sugar and flour, they go through the exact same thing, okay? They have to rethink, rewire their entire emotional management system. And think about now that you're not 14 or 15 with some level of maturity, you are four or five, three or four, 
when you know you started abusing or using sugar excessively and you just have this deeply deeply grooved neural pathways that says stress sugar or you know worry sugar pain sugar scared sugar and all of the all of the emotions that you deal with now have a go to that it requires a substance, food, sugar, right? Mm -hmm. And like I said, when you deal with the folks, when you worked through it from the beginning to the end and or just walk in, talk to somebody that's been recovering from a severe food addiction or sugar flour addiction, because a food addiction, that's probably a misnomer. It definitely is a misnomer. And I think it scares people off. It's not food. It's drug-like foods. It's foods that are made of flour and sugar to make look like real food or whole food or regular food right mm -hmm. and so when you cut that stuff out then you begin this process literally like someone learning to walk again in therapy uh, from an accident you are learning to deal with your emotions in in a, a new and different way and you have to have right from the beginning because if you don't have new and different systems in place walking running weightlifting, you know, getting a hug, watching the sunset, meditating, listening to music, uh, whatever it is that gives you a little bit of dopamine and gives you a different way to manage it. And these usually take effort, to be honest with you. There's usually a physical exertion necessary because that's how we evolve. And so the, the bottom line is you can't, you can't, you can't get out of this without understanding that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like we've talked about, I don't have any sound bites. You've got to understand and walk out and walk through that process and be, and the hard part is people aren't willing to accept it even as a construct. They're not willing to um, be with the idea, let it light on them for a little bit. And the way to change that behavior is to let them journal it out and tell you a true story. So I had a client one time as a guy, unusual, most of mine are women and he had been he had lost 100 pounds on keto he could do that diet you know there's no doubt about it but you know his vice was m m's and it, he like he just couldn't put the you know, he had 60 more pounds to lose and but he also had a relationship with a woman for 12 years and he was both his parents had died his uncle died he was the house there he was the executive for it all right all like in an 18 month period and so this 12 year relationships going on and he's got all this other stress going on. And when we journal it all out, when we got the whole story out, every time he fell back to the M&Ms, it was that relationship. And so now that 60 pounds is gone. That woman is gone. It's like a different, you know, when he realized what it was that he wasn't, didn't have the courage to break up, then he, and when he finally did, he was able to put down the so again, he was using the M&Ms to, all right, she's a pain today. I'll just, you know, M&Ms and tomorrow I'll think about it. Well, tomorrow you're feeling the same way, really. Mm -hmm. And tomorrow never comes when you have that type of processing uh, gear that you're using. So yeah, it's a, again, it's, it's not difficult to understand and it's not difficult And the science, all the things that I'm saying are backed by science mm -hmm. and research and people that have done it. Like I know thousands of them, literally thousands have helped thousands of people. And the stories are changed a little bit, but in essence, they're at their core. They're exactly what we're talking about. They're this learning to rejigger, reconfirm, re uh, groove the neural pathways that deal with uh, stress, worry, anxiety, fear, and that kind of stuff. And even 
to deal with the ones where you're happy and joyous and crazy, you know, because you want to feel better. You want to have one more glass of wine. You want to have one. And you've got, you can't go that way. You know, you can't, you can't use the substance to both accentuate your feelings that day or um, damp them down and, and put them, put them down uh, and stop them from happening. You know, you, you can't do either one. You have to, you have to have some other methods that aren't substance-based. Yeah. Um, but it takes a willingness and then awareness and acceptance yeah. and then action. And so this year for 2021, I've chosen for my word of the year to be awareness. Okay. Uh, last year it was flow and 2020 was challenging for a lot of people. But for me personally, every time I felt a challenge come up, I'm like, okay, well, where, where can I add more flow to this to help keep myself going and growing and moving through and, and beyond the, you know, the challenges. And so this year, I really want to bring the, the theme of awareness to, so that's why one of the reasons I wanted you to, uh, to have you on my show is because I feel like there needs to be more awareness about this sure. and, um, and just to enable and empower people to make those choices for themselves. Maybe there's, you know, people out there that are on the fence or maybe they know they're like, yeah, I don't have a healthy relationship with sugar and I really should do something about it before I have the diabetes or the heart disease, or maybe I'm already teetering on metabolic disorder over here. And, but you know, I am attached to this substance. I require it in mm. order to get through my days. And mm. so maybe, you know, with a, that power of information, it'll help people uh, make that choice to put it down, choose something else, go for the walk, even ask for help. And I think, I think it, it is difficult to do some of these things, especially putting down any substance without help. And so mm -hmm. I want people to know that there's people like you and people like me, any coach, maybe not any coach, but a lot of coaches and a lot of healthcare practitioners that are there to help you and support you through this journey of putting down the sugar and mm -hmm. any other substance really that you want to put down. But um, yep. yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. So um, let's see what else. I have made some notes here about Oh, let's talk about why it's so hard to <laughs> talk about uh, being sugar free, especially, mm. you know, we, we just got through the holidays. Right. And I know like these past holidays weren't as social <laughs> as previous holidays, but, um, you know, like maybe even just being around your small group of family instead of a big party saying, you know, I've, I've really stepped away from the sugar. I'm not, I'm not going to partake in the cake or the dessert or, you know, whatever it is. Why is that so difficult? Do you think? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, so I think that, you know, we're in the beginning of a tectonic shift We're you know, we're a few years into the idea that uh, this is harmful and people need to be aware of it. Like you, you quit drinking. They're like, yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> quit, quit smoking. Good job. Good job. Yeah. You quit sugar. Like, are you crazy? Yeah. Like, you know, why? Like, why? You People know, are confused. <laughs> they're very confused. Like they have to, first of all, they have to look at themselves. They're like, well, she's pretty smart. Why, why is she doing that? You know, she's a doctor and everything, you know, so like, uh, you know, they have to look at themselves. That's the first thing. And the second thing is a lot of them have tried it. You know, they've, they've, they've tried to cut back and they don't, 
they just can't seem to do it. You know, they just can't seem to uh, get it done. And and also, I don't know. I mean, it's hard. I think because it just you know, to Rodney. If you know, I'm dating myself. Rodney Dangerfield, the comedian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, he says tagline is "I don't get no respect." Right. And after a while, he didn't even have to say the joke. He just said, "I don't get no respect." You get a laugh. Well, here is the same scenario. This product does not get any respect because over 300 years, it has been enculturated into our society from birth to death on every celebration as just part of it. And all of the maladies that are that are related to it um, that we talked about and metabolic syndrome and arthritis and that, and that goes on and on and mental and physical People think of as aging, but they don't realize is that in the 17 and 1800s, 17, uh, and, uh, yeah, like 17 and 1800s, doctors who w- worked in practice for 50 years could see generations that just started with heavy amounts of uh, sugar and, and tea and coffee that was coming from the Caribbean. Um, and they could see the changes in people. They could see the obesity, but now we can't see it. Now we do have pretty good glimpse from the 70s and 80s, early 80s, from high fructose corn syrup getting into the food system and watching the obesity numbers go straight up and to the right, that um, we can see that. Um, but still, it hasn't, because of what you said earlier, that fat has been demonized for so long that, and, and really, it's it's into the consciousness now. Mm-hmm. And you know, we had Coca Cola and all the food product companies they were piling on that they were literally paying for that um research they were you know behind the scenes funding this research and they kept having low fat low fat low fat when in reality if you read any of the literature it really was still is the sugar that's causing the problem Mm -hmm. so that's why it's hard because you're not it's so so socially accepted you can give this product to a baby to a one-year-old and not only will you probably get a pat on the back you'll probably get a big smile from the parents and the baby and no worries but you know i personally think that's criminal i think that to do that you know is to you know train them in something now that science is proving is is harmful and and there's now a lot of for the first time in history the uh, american pediatric dental association the american association of pediatrics the american heart association there's one other i always forget but um all four of them the first time any group ever agreed that children between zero and five should have zero sugar sweetened beverages not Mm -hmm. like a little but zero and just now one of the i think that they came out with the food guidelines that were ridiculous just terrible the last couple days here i don't know when this is going to air but um they um they said children between zero and two should have like less and less and less sugar that was one of the major bonus or uh, benefits of that announcement they basically kept the same old food pyramid which is crap that it is you know, yes yeah. <laughs> i agree but but they did make the shit the shift for children so yeah that's good progress small steps yeah. <laughs> yeah. baby steps yeah all right so do you think that there's anything that you find extremely imperative that we haven't talked about yet that you want to mm. um bring forth yeah, I think one of the things is that I find this a lot, and, and if someone has, uh, if we've resonated with someone in this talk, um, 
there needs to be uh, what they call in the tech world early adopters. They, ne they need to be people. What I find is the people that are successful now because it is uh, a little bit not quite socially acceptable yet is that they, they are kind of pioneers. If you trace them back to their life in, in the college or athletics or job or you know scholastic, whatever, they, they are not afraid to uh, do the research for themselves, think for themselves and do what they think is right. It's a, it's a pioneering kind of group that is now out there, including a lot of docs and a lot of researchers and stuff. They're, they're not afraid of their tenure or they're this or they're that, whatever. They're willing to, I mean, I don't know if you know the stories of doctors um, Fetke and uh, Dr. Noakes in South Africa, Dr. Fetke in Australia, Tasmania. These guys, the government tried to take their licenses for telling this information, right? Mm -hmm. And they fought back and won. And so that's how antiquated, and this is just a couple of years old. This is mm -hmm. not old. This is just a couple of years ago. And so that's how antiquated the information is out there. And the people who are going to succeed are going to have to have some resolve and, and be not afraid to step out on, on in their own, you know, whatever they make the decision to do. So, because you're not going to get right now, at least as we stand in 2021, we're not going to get that support from, we're not getting the warm and fuzzies from our doctors or our, <laughs> our families or anybody else. You got to join a new tribe. So. Yeah. 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 I mean, and it's, again, it is so simple. It's not complicated, but yet there seems to be this barrier and resistance to it. And so that's one of my, you know, missions in life is to help people get happy, be health, be healthy, you know, be happy and thrive in life. And so mm -hmm. that's, you know, with food, with emotions with movement you know in all the ways and so i hope that we can spread the word yeah, and help sure. people release release the sugar yeah. uh let it go and uh see what magnificent changes can unfold you know people are shocked at the you know they're they're not i mean yeah they lose the weight that's the given but the brain fog that clears the skin that clears the all these other benefits that happen are better than the weight loss. You know, that yeah. people, we got a saying, come for the vanity, stay for the sanity. It's <laughs> like people think they want to lose weight at the beginning, right? Yeah. Then they, they, their, their, their brain is working better and they're, they're feeling better emotionally and, and spiritually and mentally, they're just better. And so they're, that's why they stay, you know, not because their weight is going to come off mm -hmm. if they do it. This is like, it's like, you don't need to exercise, you need to do anything. Their weight will come off. That's just, yeah. if you focus on the weight, it might not come off. You got to focus on your, your other recovery or what we call non-scale victories, you know? Yeah. Would you say that you necessarily promote a keto style of eating or just in general, just like simply, you know, sugar-free? I know in your book, um, the, you have the list of all of the different names and of mm. how they hide sugar and how they name sugar in foods. And I think that's a fabulous resource yeah. out there. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we try to be Switzerland. We try and like <laughs> be neutral as to food plans. Yeah. Um, we have coaches that are vegan and vegetarian and keto and the whole nine. 
And as long as you're eating whole foods, we're fine with it, you know? Um, We, our goal, two things, one is to raise the awareness I've got a unique skill set and, you know, being able to get exposure for on, online. And so I'm just trying to raise the top of the funnel to get more awareness. There's plenty of folks now who, you know, can tell them about their diet or their nutrition or this, that. I need to get them, I need to, exactly everything we've discussed today, the addictive processes that are keeping them on white process, I call it powder addiction, white mm-hmm. processed f- products. Um, it's just not known and, and it's not known how to get off. It's because, and somehow they think there's an equation that has to do with calories in and calories out and that, da, da. I mean, it's a, it's a total rework of all of the information that's out there. So that's my thing. And, and like I said, we're agnostic to the diet food plans. Okay. So yeah. 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 I totally agree with you. And just in case anyone out there is confused now, since I brought up keto, keto is high fat, and no sugar. (laughs) And so having a sugar free lifestyle would just be whatever your macros you're choosing for your fat and your protein, but without any sugar or so one thing I like about the keto folks and their, you know, their coming their uh, ascension, if you will, in the diet world is that they're very sciencey. They Mm -hmm. are very interested in everything numbers, blood work, uh, you know, insulin rate, insulin, uh, glucose rates, every, everything that, uh, you know, a lot of the other groups are not quite there. The more, they're more dogmatic or more, uh, should I say, uh, there's other reasons why they're doing it. And mm-hmm. the keto folks and the low fat folks, uh, or the high fat folks, excuse me, are, they, they want to know the science period mm-hmm. end of story most of them, not all of them, but most of them. And the real ones don't go in for the keto crap, meaning the keto cookies and the keto oh, this, that, yeah, and the no. other thing. Mm-mm. Yeah, exactly. So that I do like about them. And, yeah. uh, so, and I think their, uh, their CGM, their continuous glucose monitor will bear out that they're a little bit healthier than their compadres out there. in the world. Yes. Yeah, so I was actually just going to ask you about that. Uh, if you don't mind saying which one you're using, do you mind saying? It's a freestyle Libra. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, uh, so people know, I mean, it's just a little patch on your arm or your belly and, and you can literally get it on your phone. You know, I can, mm-hmm. I can take a reading for you right now if you want, you know, it's like, basically you just, push the little button here mm-hmm. and then you scan it. You might not be able to hear it, but, and my sweater's kind of thick. <laughs> Where the hell would it go? Come on, you, it won't, it won't perform when I'm doing this, but <laughs> anyway, it's, it, you, you just wave it over the patch okay. and it'll, it'll give you the, uh, the, it'll give you the reading. And uh, it's just like, one of the, I personally believe, I'm glad you brought it up, is that, that the entire world changes with what they call non-invasive CMGs, can be, uh, continuous glucose monitors. Amazon's working on them, Google's working on them. Uh, they've been, a lot of them have been working on them for years, but now they have pretty um, simple ways to get them out there in the world. In the United States, you need a prescription, but and there is a little pin in it, a little prick pin. It's not, it's not big. It doesn't hurt or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can just literally watch. You eat a banana, goes out of range. You eat a bagel, goes out of range. You know, you can just watch it. Oatmeal, whatever. Forget about eating donuts or whatever. You can see in real time your blood sugar go from 80 or 90 to 200, just like that. You know, yeah. less than 
30, 40 minutes. And when people can see that day in and day out, then they're going to change. Because right now you can kind of lie to yourself. <laughs> you say, one zone is not going to hurt me. How can that hurt me? Yeah. But when you stay up in those ranges with high glucose and the insulin pumping all day, every day, long term, that's going to kill, you know, well, it is, it's going to kill you. Yeah, yeah, it will kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, yeah. One last little soapbox thing is that yeah. I, I don't think our medical establishment is forthright enough mm. with the consequences of these chronic disease states. Yeah. And so that is one of the things that I consider myself to be a brutally honest practitioner. And mm. it's not because I want to scare you out of doing something. I want you to have all the information and I want you to understand the real consequences of your choices. They're your choices. I am here to guide you and lead you along the way. But ultimately, the choice is still the person, you know, my client, my patient, you know, whoever that person is on the other side of mm -hmm. my desk. And so, you know, and I, you know, I'm sure it's the same for you as a coach. It's like you're here willingly. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and no, one, no one's making you be here. And so. I'm here to help you make better choices, but also to help you understand why you're making those choices and right. so that you can feel good about them and you can resonate with them and you can carry them forward and mm -hmm. keep making good choices for yourself. So exactly. Yeah. Well said for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And I've loved this conversation. Is there anything that you want to, um, talk about like where my listeners can find you or um, sure. any of that good stuff. When, when will this air? Do you think any ideas? Actually Thursday this week. Oh, good. So then uh, we have the quit sugar summit, which is going on right now. It's oh, cool. at quit sugar summit, right, Okay. And send me an email. I'll tell you a little bit more about it. Put in the show notes. Okay. And, uh, but the Quit Sugar Summit is we, this is our sixth annual. We've been doing it for six years. And we, Dr. Lustig, Gary Tobbs that we talked about. We even have Judy Collins, the famous singer, is, is there. She's going to be uh, talking about her book, Cravings. She's done obviously great music. She's Grammy nominated and done a lot of, you know, songs over the years. She's 81 and she wants this thing about food addiction to be part of her legacy. And so she came on, it was cool. And we have a lot of other folks that I've mentioned through this talk that are on their Fet Key and, and, uh, and Dr. Noakes. These are these people in the world of sugar reduction, low carb, they're, they're legends, literally. We've been doing this for six years and it's pretty big. So the Quit Sugar Summit, just quitsugarsummit.com. And it's free for seven straight days. You just listen all you want all day, every day. And I'm at sugaraddiction.com. Uh, we have a challenge going on all the time. 30-day challenge. You just drop in. We've got 7,000 people in, in our forum. And we have Zoom meetings, uh, you know, almost all weeknights. You know, just to, the community that I talked about, we actually have. So awesome. check it out. And, uh, and there's a, my free book from Amazon is also available on sugaraddiction.com for a free download now for a little bit. So okay. check, check that out. Cool. Well, thank you so much. And um, I'd love to have you back maybe as, as this, you know, it's ever evolving with the science and, and new information to bring forward. So. And um, I'd love to come back. I, I, you know, we've built some relationships with some podcasters over the years and it's really, it, it turns out pretty well because the folks are 
folks, when they hear it first time, they, you know, it's, it doesn't really light on them. Then they, you know, they, they said the second or third time it does. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. That's what I love about podcasts is you can listen to them as many times as you want. There's no limit. There you go. So awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.